Hi, I'm Deputy Sheriff Mary Rodriguez. Do you know what to do when approached by strangers? I want to talk to you about the threats of strangers, but first of all, do you know who strangers are? A stranger is a person you do not know. Most strangers are nice, but bad strangers and good strangers look and act the same, so avoid all strangers. A stranger is a person whom you have never met before, a person you may have seen before, but whom you don't know anything about. For example, someone you've seen walking in your neighborhood, a person whom your parents don't know well. Strangers can be men or women, young or old. Strangers come in different colors, sizes, and shapes. Some are thin, some are fat, some are short, and some are tall. Some strangers are pretty, and some strangers are not so pretty. Some strangers wear t-shirts and shorts, while others wear suits and ties. Mostly, all strangers are dangerous. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. I am Adam. And my name is Jeremy. We're here to do X-Men number 11, the May 1965... Are we still in 1965? I don't even know. <laughs> yes, May 1965 issue of X-Men number 11, and we look like we're going to introduce someone named The Stranger. Bum, bum, bum. At least that's what it says on the cover. <laughs> and there's a big guy in a lab coat and some brown slacks on the cover menacingly approaching the X-Men who are running away. Well, are they running? It looks like they're not running away. They're all running towards him. No, they're running away. Oh, wait. Are you thinking that the stranger is in front of them floating? in? Oh, this is a weird perspective then. <laughs> <laughs> so then he's actually kind of small. Oh, I, I see how you're looking at it. That makes it completely different. Yeah, no, I think you're right, though. I think because Beast is reaching out to something, and it must be this guy who's floating in the... Oh, all right. That's where I, I get my whole perspective from Beast, because Beast is like... I think he's reaching towards the stranger, so the stranger must be in front of him, which means that everybody else is running towards him. How very interesting. Oh, and then, so the, the stranger is floating or something towards Marvel Girl and Professor X. Exactly. That's that's how I see it. Although I like the fact that there's an alternate perspective <laughs> to it. Uh, yeah, this is one of those optical illusion covers. You can see it in many different <laughs> ways. If I close this eye. <laughs> Wait, I can see another picture inside the picture. So I have an interesting anecdote before we even begin about this comic book. Okay. When I was in grade school, maybe fifth or sixth grade, uh, I would take the bus from school to downtown Madison, and right at the bus stop where I would get off was this place called 21st Century Books, or maybe it was 20th Century Books. I can't remember which. And I was I would walk from there to my dad's office, which was down the street, but I would stop off at 20th Century Books because they had a whole bunch of used books in the front and then a ton of comic books in the back. And I'm talking like, it was almost like comic book shop-sized comic books uh, racks. They had everything. They had um, old issues of, uh, do you remember Wolf Roach? Yeah. They had those on the racks. I didn't even know what it was, but I'd pass by it every day and kind of now wish what I would have bought those. I bought my copy of X-Men God Loves, Man Kills, like hardbound edition there. Mm. And in the back issue rack, I would always go through the X-Factor and X-Men comic books, and they had this very issue in the box. Now, it was beaten up, of course, because this is from 1965. And when I was in fourth or fifth grade, it was probably late 80s, maybe mid 80s. 
something like that. And uh, inside, it was really weird. Um, They didn't bag the comic books, uh, so they didn't have anywhere to put the price tag. So what they would do is they would write it in pencil on the inside cover. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I guess you could take it home and like erase it or something. But anyways, uh, this particular one was three dollars. This issue right here, and I was I was like, oh, three dollars, <laughs> you know. And I, I I read this thing like four or five times. I always go in there, and be like, well, it's X Men number eleven. It's one of the old comic books. I should really buy this comic book. And I read it, and I was like, eh. <laughs> I don't know who these guys are. Just, where's Wolverine? There's no Storm in here. I don't. This is what. So I never bought it. Now, many years later, with a huge comic book collection that I have, I wish that even in its beat-up condition, I would have had this comic book. No kidding. Yeah. So there you go, folks. Next time you see a comic book for $3 and it's really, really old, buy it. No matter what its condition, just buy it. If you even think that there's a slight possibility that you want something in life... Get it. Because 20 years later, you're going to be sitting around talking to somebody and be like, you know what? I could have had that. That could have been mine. That's how I live my life. (laughs) And I'm broke. (laughs) (laughs) So anyways, let's get into this. Maybe let's find out if I should have actually bought this comic book or if it was better that I just left it alone. Okay. This one is called The Triumph of Magneto. What? I didn't see Magneto on the cover of this book. And it says in a little panel over the top, no, you're not seeing thing. This title means what it says. I am guessing that we are going to see Magneto in this issue. Yeah, I hope so. Otherwise, that would be a real... Uh, Unfortunate title. Total total trick. <laughs> and since we haven't seen the rest of his evil mutants, I hope that they also make an appearance. Yeah, it's been a while. So we're written by uh, Stan Lee, extravagantly arted by Jack Kirby. <laughs> Uh, exceptionally inked by Chick Stone and exemplarily lettered by R.D. Simic. Oh, he's R.D. Simic now. Yeah, and he's getting excellent uh, credit this time around. Yes, exemplary uh, lettering is much better than what legible, yeah. <laughs> legible Larry or whatever. Substandard. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so. We open up the panel with the professor calling in the X-Men, and there's a fuzzy image of somebody, perhaps a stranger, on the screen in front of them. What I only imagine is somehow connected to Cerebro, but maybe it's Cyberno. Is it a video projection? Because the contraption upon which it's being projected on looks a lot more complex than a... Well, according to Marvel Girl, who obviously would know, it's his radar image beam... It's new. He just got it at Target. <laughs> and uh, it converts radar blips into pictures of the object. Aha. Uh-huh. That I suppose is blipping. Mm. That's interesting. So he must be like piping Cyberno through Cerebro through radar image beam, nicknamed Cyrano. Cyr- we'll nickname it Cyrano. Wow. And the professor agrees with Gene that this is a beam to detect the presence of other mutants. I mean, we've been part of the team now for over a year, and for some reason we're only now learning about this machine. Well, it's new. Oh. Marvel Girl says. Yeah, you're right, you're right, right. And he got it from Target. I didn't make that up. <laughs> that's that's in the uh, the official handbook of the 1960s Marvel handbook or whatever. You Back in the early 60s, Target... They sold a whole lot of different types of stuff than they sell nowadays. Lots of mutant hunting equipment. Yeah, yeah. That, that's why they call it Target. <laughs> gotcha. So anyways, they're almost instantly, they want to go talk to this strange new 
maybe mutant so that he won't be recruited by Magneto. Right, bringing us back to the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants type story that was happening a few issues ago. The mutant who is being cast onto the machine, his image is slowly starting to form, and then it looks like the image explodes, which I believe destroys the machine because we never see it again. (laughs) You're absolutely right. The explosion in uh, panel three is quite dramatic. Although in panel two, it kind of looks like Beast Man. Uh, Yeah, from uh, He-Man, right? Yeah. Totally. I, 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 yes. <laughs> I totally agree with that. So, oh, the only conclusion that they can make is that this is a, a really, really powerful being. Wait, it says right here that my image beam was shattered before it could project his picture. Oh, that's a bummer. I hope he got, like, good coverage on that, the warranty. Uh, I'm sure it's uh, covered under the return policy. <laughs> it does take anything back. <laughs> I know, man. They're They're great that way. Target. (laughs) (laughs) Beast is all ready. He's walking on his fingers because he's so excited. He wants to get out there and beat up some mutant. Iceman's uh, pretty excited, too. He freezes up a bookshelf that Beast is about to jump onto, causing Beast to slip off into the room. Yes, and the tomfoolery begins. Every time the X-Men get excited, they, they goof off. And now... Marvel Girl is lifting Beast with her telekinesis. Wasn't it a few issues ago that she said, I can't lift Beast with my telekinesis? She's a woman. She can't make up her mind about anything. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this can be explained by the fact that maybe she's getting a lot better. Well, I think, is she holding him up or is she just gent... Yeah, she is holding him up because uh, Professor X has let him down gently, so... All right, so she's improved. Scott's still wearing his nice suit. looks pretty sharp. The professor chastises them. Mostly Iceman, but yes. Oh, sorry, sir. I guess we just got carried away. So then we move towards a new location. A small furnished room not far away. And there's a strange curly-haired man looking at himself in the mirror longingly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and then uh, so the landlady, a very hip landlady, I might add. How square can you be? And I, I need some scratch, cabbage, jack, moolah, dough, the rent. Yes, the stranger, now he is calling himself, I am the stranger, or a stranger. So you know that this guy is, is the guy that we're after here. So this guy, he's got white hair, huge bushy white eyebrows, like a white mustache and beard combo that uh yeah but he's got one of those mustaches that's like very like stereotypical chinese where it's just on the very outside of his mouth and then super long you know it's the two sides and no middle yeah if i could grow one of those oh man you know i'd be sporting one of those (laughs) i wonder if he's supposed to be chinese in this well he does look maybe like he could be a aged chinese man yeah now that you mention it he's got a fu manchu sort of vibe Mm -hmm. So uh, if it's money you want, lady, he whips a, a bunch of money out of his uh, jacket pocket and gives it to her. And she's shocked. He tells her, don't come back until I check out of this place. And she's like, yes, yes, sir, I will. I, I promise. I, I. And she backs out slowly. And then we follow her through her day as she does the laundry. She goes and chastises some of the other tenants. She stops off at that crazy uh, coffee shop to learn some more of that slang the hep cats are talking about these days. 
And our issue ends with her uh, sleeping on the couch. Yeah, it's a quite of a letdown of an issue here, honestly. I, they were building something with the whole Stranger Magneto thing, but but they really took a, a turn there. I, I didn't see that coming at all, did you? Oh, yeah, and then um, I forgot. She gives Magneto a back rub in a pivotal sequence, which is where the triumph comes in. Aha, yes, yes. He does look very triumphant there, sitting there all relaxed, smoking a cigar. So I'm really kind of let down this week by this issue. i got to be honest. <laughs> oh, oh, wait, wait. None of that happened. Uh, so the stranger decides that he's going to take a walk so that he can familiarize himself with the city and its people. He decides that the traffic is just too heavy and there's a big crowd and he doesn't like it. So he starts walking on air. Much to the disdain of the people below. They're like, it must be an act. Somehow he must be standing on invisible glass. Or he's wearing some new kind of helium belt? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can get those at Target, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he realizes he's attracting a whole lot of attention, so he walks through a wall to escape. Well, actually, he wants to get away, and he comments to himself that he's being strangely lured towards a certain wall. And when he comes through that wall, he counters Magneto and his Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. And I must say, I like this portrait here of the Brotherhood. And then I, I got to ask you, have they been sitting there the whole time just like waiting? Like, okay, everybody, don't move. <laughs> okay, wait, wait. Here he comes. Wait, wait, no. No, he's walking on air now. Uh, okay, he's causing a commotion. Any minute now, guys. Any- Petro, stop that. Oh, there he is. Oh. And then they stand there, everybody looking directly at him. I think that's exactly what happened. <laughs> oh, okay. Whenever they meet a mu- new mutant, they're like, okay, everybody, everybody, get behind me. Okay, yeah, no, no, no. Mastermind, you're you're on the right. No, okay, okay, that's good, that's good. First impressions are everything. Yes, I would join these guys. Mm-hmm. They really look like they have the act together. They're all color coordinated. Like Nito's got his glove out. What exactly drew him to this particular building? Magneto. You think it's like he had a metallic hat or something, and the hat was pulling him? Well, we don't really know exactly what the stranger's physical makeup is, but I would like to speculate that it has a little bit of iron in it. Okay. So that when he's walking on air, he's uh, susceptible to perhaps magnetic uh, persuasion. I'm not going to say attacks, but persuasion. That makes about as much sense as anything else, so I'm down with it. So we move on. The X-Men are beginning their own search for the stranger the angel is the first one out there causing a commotion with a surprised window washer he asks him if he's seen anything strange and the window washer says you're strange mister (laughs) i don't like you you're different and he hurls his uh, (laughs) window washing brush out no that doesn't happen and then he's angry because angel knocks his hat off yes he does rude because what can he do about that i mean the least angel could do is go fly down and get it and give it back to him he does have wings Cyclops is down on the street overhearing two cops talk about the stranger who was walking on air and walked through a building. Cyclops goes to talk to them, ask him about it, and they give him a little guff saying, Hey, why are you wearing dark glasses on a cloudy day like this? We've got orders to investigate anybody suspicious. They start wrestling with him, trying to get the glasses off, and he's like, No! Not my glasses! Anything but my glasses! The odd thing here is that throughout all of the aerial scenes that we've, because the stranger was floating, the angels flying, not one cloud have we seen. Yeah, I, just I noticed that. bright blue sky. Maybe the guy was like, there aren't any clouds, but the guy's just like, look, we need to check this guy out. He looks suspicious. So let's just make something up. And you're right. I mean, Cyclops is a little overdramatic about his glasses. Yeah. 
they kind of wrestle with him a little bit, and one of the cops gets the glasses off, at which point Cyclops's amazing eye beams blast into the ground. Shooting at their feet, he, he has to look down just in case. He's like, I tried to warn you, and he covers his eyes with his hand, but the blasts still slip through his fingers, and he manages to find his uh, glasses and put them on. But in the meantime, the police are like, oh, this must be Cyclops. I understand. He's one of the X-Men. Yes. This is what his powers do. His eyes are like living disintegrator beams. Are they annoyed that it's Cyclops, or are they like, oh, it's okay, it's just Cyclops? All they're doing is narrating everything. <laughs> oh, his glasses <laughs> fell off. Oh, he's shooting now. Oh, it hit my gun. If they knew of Cyclops and they were okay with Cyclops, it would have been wise for Cyclops just to say, hey, I'm Cyclops. I can't take these glasses off. Seriously. Again, I think they're still in the midst of whether or not they want to maintain secret identities, so who knows. (laughs) But you're right. They got their guns out, but they're not going to arrest him. They don't have their handcuffs out, too. I don't know what's going on here. It doesn't matter because the beast swoops out of nowhere, grabs Cyclops by his shoulders, and throws him up onto a railing. Oh, I thought he was grabbing his head with his feet. Well, that could be, too, I suppose. That makes a lot less sense than the shoulders. Can you imagine if he would grab his head and, like, snap it back? (laughs) Like, they'd be dead. Well, clearly they've practiced this move before. Hang on a second. Right on the cover it says, This issue in X-Man dies. Wow. This is it, everybody. Cyclops is dead. (laughs) (laughs) Beast accidentally twisted his head when he went to save him from the cop. Yeah, the next panel is Beast with Cyclops' head in (laughs) in his feet. He's maniacally laughing, too. It's really weird. (laughs) Uh, And then Mephisto shows up and says, if you give me your girlfriend, I'll revive your friend. And he does. (laughs) Oh, wait. No, that doesn't happen. Beast rescues Cyclops, and they go bounding off looking for They clearly practice this maneuver because Cyclops spreads his arms. and I mean, they, they look like this is a practice move. Exactly. I mean, they didn't even have to call out the letters this time. Yeah, it was like off panel. Cyclops is like, excellent eight. Five. Well, it would have F- to be B because it's B's. <laughs> <laughs> yes. B-78. Nice. They spot an ice cylinder. In the middle of the sky, there's an ice cylinder. So clearly that's got to be Iceman. I wish I had a friend like Iceman. That would be awesome. Hey, look. It's an ice cylinder. Let's just jump into it. You get flown around Futurama style. It's like a big uh, water slide almost because at the end it loops up and they go flying out. That's a lot of control. I would have to imagine that that thing would be very top-heavy and would probably just fall over. Because that thing was up there pretty high. I don't know. Uh, maybe there were support beams that we, we weren't seeing. <laughs> Icy support <laughs> beams. Yeah, sure, sure. That could be. Maybe he used some buildings as support. I don't know. So then as they're flying out of the tube, Marvel Girl eases them down with her telekinetic ability. So finally she's gotten something to do. To which Scott responds, good girl, Jean. And then... And then she starts barking and getting on all fours and like, it's just, oh, it's really weird. No, that doesn't happen either. Somehow when he says good girl, it's better than Richard Chamberlain saying my darling. Marvel Girl chastises Iceman for his childish uh, hijinks. No, she doesn't. No, no. she. What are you talking about? <laughs> I didn't do any research. I'm, I'm clearly reading on the spot. No, she... She, she l- praises Iceman for not being so childish and for becoming masterful with his ice power. Cyclops commands him to build some way to get up to the buildings, and Iceman builds a set of ice stairs, which, I don't know, <laughs> ice stairs 
somehow seems just too dangerous. I feel like this might have some of the same support issues as the ice tube. But maybe you're right. Maybe there's some supports that we're just not seeing. Not only that, but they're also slippery. Well, they're slippery, and I would have to assume that as soon as you create the base, it starts melting. So they're making it up to the top of the city, and then we cut back to the stranger talking to Magneto and the gang. He's like, you want me to join you? And then they decide to give the stranger a demonstration of their awesome powers. And here it is. The reason that Magneto wants him to join them is he is power. Yes. He wants to enslave the human race so that Homo Superior can take over. Has he really said it with such clarity in the past? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I just like the fact that he says, you must join us because I am power. Well, there's also a pause there. Because I am power. I don't know. That wouldn't convince me. (laughs) Well, so then he decides to give him a demonstration of his power by binding him up in metal, which he does a lot. And then Mastermind creates some illusions. Making him seem like he's underwater and then in some sort of pits. Hell. Yeah, hell, Lucifer's land, you know, something like that. And this pisses the stranger off to no end, and boy, does he get some revenge. We get an extreme close-up of his angry eyes, and he spits all of the magnetic shit back at the evil mutants, and he turns Mastermind into a solid block of matter, well, a rock. I don't know why Pietro says a solid block of matter. (laughs) A ray turning Mastermind into a solid block of matter! Nobody talks like that. A ray turning Mastermind into a rock. That's what he would have said. No, I think what he really would have said is, somebody, please help me, I've soiled myself. (laughs) (laughs) As solid matter, his weight is so greatly increased that not even the building's floor can hold him. I mean, look, you've been on some adventures with some evil mutants, and you've done some things. You've taken over a country once. You keep getting beat by the X-Men, but... It's always been kind of childish and comical, and no one's ever really gotten hurt. And then one day you meet this guy who turns your buddy into a block of stone. Don't you take a crap in your shorts at that point and be like, "Uh uh-oh, this just got real. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Okay. So now Mastermind falls through uh, the floor into like what appears to be maybe a clothing store. And in typical 60s fashion, a guy leans out the door and says, Help, police! Because that always gets their attention. Luckily, the X-Men are extremely close by. They all hear the shouts and come running. They discover that the stranger's blast put a hole in the building. I'm surprised they didn't hear that, but uh, (laughs) they didn't. And uh, Angel goes in first and discovers Magneto, the evil mutants, and the stranger. It's important to note, I think, at this point, that all of the X-Men except for Cyclops are in their uniforms. Cyclops is still in his goofy little suit. I guess that's not important to notice, but it's something to uh, something to something to note. Anyways, Angel goes in and attacks all of them, even though all Angel's got is a stupid wings. We get the strangest comeback of all time. Magneto says, "This time you will surely taste defeat." Angel responds with, "Maybe so, but I'll I'll make sure that you taste it with me." It's like he's admitting defeat, but you'll suffer too, buddy. I'm going to punch you, and it's going to really hurt. (laughs) But Quicksilver intercepts the angel and pushes him against a wall or something. Then Magneto says, Quicksilver, use your speed. Stop him. What else is he going to (laughs) use? I don't know. I'd say use your gun and shoot him in the face. But no, he decides to run around in circles. You smashed into him before he could think to flap a wing. What? He's flying. How could he, like, (laughs) he doesn't have to think to flap his wings. Now finish him. Fatality. 
<laughs> Quicksilver rips off his head, <laughs> throws him on some spikes. <laughs> it's a brutal issue. Uh, no, that doesn't. So happen. far, like two two X Men and one Brotherhood member are dead in this issue. Yeah, where are we going to go from here? They're going to clean house and start off with a whole new team next issue. <laughs> so Quicksilver's running off, and they're they're fighting, and Quicksilver's got the upper edge, but then. I guess his flapping wing deflects one of Quicksilver's blows, Angel's wings. At which point you'd think that his wing would probably be broken, but it's not. No. Uh, instead, he learns that he can match his wings against his speed, which interesting, I guess. Hmm. Iceman and Beast arrive inside. Iceman putting a layer of frost completely covering Pietro. Turns him into a snowman almost. And now Pietro's dead. <laughs> Wanda is not happy about this. She finally springs into action and hexes the Beast and Iceman, who go flying. Yeah, she's always getting the Beast with her equilibrium-disturbing hex. Mm-hmm. Either that or the Beast is just clumsy. Magneto's got a magnetic shield covering himself and the Stranger, which Angel cannot penetrate. The Stranger is like, all right, this is ridiculous. I'm getting out of here. He whips up some sort of cone of energy which looks like a tornado Magneto's like well wait I haven't convinced you yet you gotta join me so the X-Men don't get you the stranger's like well well, come on if you, if you want to come come on in so Magneto and Toad jump into the tornado and Tornado flies out of the room through another wall down the stairs right by uh, Marvel Girl and Cyclops they don't even notice it these are the extent of his powers oh yeah you're right yeah and so they get to the uh, wrecked room or whatever Magneto's headquarters was. Apparently Magneto rented out like the 15th floor of a building for his evil doings. Well, the second floor. It was right above the clothing store. Ah, uh, yes. Yes, you're right. I'm sure that Cyclops and Jean were probably just interviewing the tenants downstairs. Probably. Until they noticed the mailbox nameplate said Magneto. And they're like, hey, I think he's <laughs> over here. So anyways, careful, Scott, there's some terrible power in there. And then her thought balloon is, oh, if anything were to happen to you, my darling, I couldn't bear it. Ugh. She's got it bad for him. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Scarlet Witch is bringing the ceiling down on Beast. She's mad. Her brother's dead. Well, yeah, yeah, I guess I would be mad, too, if a sibling of mine was killed by somebody. The Beast catches the ceiling, though, and starts spinning it, but he's not sure how long he can keep it up. Cyclops blasts it with his eye beams. So the question I have here is, okay, so he caught it with his feet, and he's like bicycle kicking it uh, around in circles, circus style. Why wouldn't he just kick it away? Yeah, it's a good question. I'm guessing that maybe the hex prevents him from doing it, or maybe it's too heavy, and he just got stuck in this position, and it's too overwhelming or something. Whatever. <laughs> Jean Grey takes this opportunity to mano a mano, or I guess womano a womano. Girl on girl. Girl on girl action where she's like, I've been waiting to take on this hex bitch for a long time. Well, that's not what she says. But. No. <laughs> but uh, she does go after her and uh, the Scarlet Witch is like, oh, I don't care about you guys. Don't flatter yourself. You killed my brother. But wait, it's not too late. Pietro's still alive. He just needs to be unfrozen. There's got to be some damage, though. I mean, if he's like frozen like that. I mean, they've been in this room for at least 10, 15 minutes. Maybe he's been fast vibrating. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now, earlier, 
when Cyclops' glasses came off, he was destroying fire hydrants and concrete blocks. Now he can take his glasses off, and even without the aid of his visor, he's able to delicately melt the snow off of Quicksilver. Yeah. (laughs) So he does, and he doesn't even harm Quicksilver. Finally, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch decide that they are no longer going to serve Magneto. They're done. It's over. The debt's been paid for. Cut ahead a little bit. The X-Men asked them to join their team to help them recover the Stranger and Magneto, but Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch were like, oh, no, we're going to go home, and maybe we'll return if the fate of mankind hinges upon our entering the battle once more. Except that Marvel Girl senses a little hint of something between Cyclops and the Scarlet Witch, something that has not been alluded to thus far except for this panel, and she gets very jealous. Oh, no, it can't be. But that's okay, because uh, Quicksilver lays down the law and says, No, my sister, it is I who gives the orders now. Yep. (laughs) So from here, here's where I did my little bit of research. Oh. A few months from now, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch join the Avengers. Sure. The Avengers are, that's another comic that I would like to get familiar with, because I don't quite get what they're all about. There's an omnibus coming out this year. Oh, okay. All right, so anyways, we fast forward to the whirling dervish that's now in the forest or something, and uh, the stranger toad and Magneto pop out of it. Magneto says, basically, you must join me because I'm awesome, essentially. Yeah. What's your mutant power? And the guy's like, I'm no mutant. Arrogant fool, I am no mutant. My power is greater than, than you can even imagine. He starts growing. Magneto thinks for a second that maybe he's giant, man. You can't be giant, man. It's it's impossible. (laughs) And so that's where I kind of extrapolated his height for the cover, right? Because he's a big dude and he's in the back. I want a poster of that now. (laughs) (laughs) I want to stare at that, man. (laughs) So he spits goo all over uh, Magneto and the toad. An anti-magnetic membrane. So Magneto can't use his powers and uh, toad's all freaking out. Master, what has he done to us? I cannot move. (laughs) Those who do not serve me must, must die. die. Yeah. Magneto's really not in any position to tell anybody that they're going to die as he's <laughs> sitting in a pile of <laughs> the stranger's goo. So we fast forward to the mansion where they have rescued Mastermind and the professor is checking for a heartbeat, which apparently he finds. But Mastermind looks like he's in a completely different pose than when he was shot earlier. Yeah, they moved him around a little bit. Well, they remolded him. <laughs> It's matter. It's a very... Uh, ah, they heated it up, and they were able to... He was malleable. <laughs> okay. They molded him around and gave him, like, a third arm in the, in his back. I like the surprise in the last panel here, where they're saying, oh, you think he's as dangerous as Magneto? And the professor's like, boy? <laughs> <laughs> what you thinking? That stranger's more powerful than Magneto. Magneto's but a child compared to him. Go sit in your corner. <laughs> <laughs> So the X-Men leave to find the stranger using Magneto's brain, apparently, and they leave Cyclops behind because he has to sit in the corner. (laughs) Well, the other thing I want to know is they don't really say what they've done with uh, Mastermind. Okay, the the important thing about Mastermind is that he's alive. Yeah. Other than that, I guess they just leave him on the table (laughs) and, you know... Serve breakfast around him. <laughs> they use him as a very elaborate centerpiece. Cyclops is finally wearing his outfit, by the way. Yep. They get it on their, their goofy little X-copter. 
One thing I got to say about all of the X flying vehicles so far, and maybe it's just Jack Kirby's characterization of them, is none of them look cool. They all look dumb. <laughs> they all look really dumb. And this is no exception. I kind of feel the same way about the Fantastic Four devices. I couldn't agree with you more. The Fantastic Cars that they have are all just very random, and it's like, hey, Jackie, you know what we need? We need a car that's got four seats and uh, draw something. We'll never see it again. <laughs> this copter is clearly the X-copter because it has X's on it. Maybe it's designed for if the Blob were ever to join the X-Men. Like, he could actually fit in the, in the uh, front there. Because it's very rotund. (laughs) (laughs) So using the power of Professor X's brain, the X-Men are able to pinpoint the location of where the stranger was or is or or something. Because when they get there, he's not there. And Magneto and Toad are wrapped up in the little filament cocoons. Goo. Don't touch any of the cocoons, warns the professor. And it nearly shocks Angel. The professor was right. Another second and the wisps of whatever this is would have enveloped me, too. Giant stranger shows up. I don't know where. I don't know where he was, but he's very large. And he continues to grow larger and larger. And it's at this point that he reveals that he is from the stars and that they are very interested in mutations. His people are collecting mutants. He was trying to decide what specimens to take back to his world. Magneto apparently offered himself up. Well, insisted that he ally himself with him, and he's like, well, what the hell, I'll take you. Yeah, that's cool. They blast off, and in the atmosphere, the stranger's like, we shall never return, to which the X-Men are like, what? What? We didn't catch that. What? What'd you say? (laughs) (laughs) Are you coming back? It happened so suddenly, so unexpectedly. I never expected it would end like this, and this is the last issue, and that was it. (laughs) Yeah, it's the shortest run ever of an (laughs) X-Title. It's very anticlimactic here. Cyclops, he asks if the X-Men will be disbanding, and if Professor X once again starts punching him in the stomach and saying, Listen, boy, don't you know anything? Sit in your corner. No, the X-Men will not be disbanding. The police show up, and the professor gets all upset. Beasts, slow them down. They mustn't see me. My identity must not be made public. What what happened to his ability to mind wipe? <laughs> yeah. There's only three cops there. I forgot to mind wipe. <laughs> I don't know, and the cops are so nice, but they're like, hey, we just want to talk. We just want to see what's going on, and, and Beast kicks him in the face. No, he doesn't kick him in the face. He <laughs> All right, fine. jumps backwards, and it looks like he kicks him in the face. But He does a hypnotic somersault. Meanwhile, the X-Men are carrying the Professor to their X-Copter. Jean Grey is telekinetically bringing the wheelchair up into the X-Copter. You would think that the professor would make these devices wheelchair accessible. You'd also think that they'd wait for Beast to be able to get in. I mean, based on what they're saying here, he's going to ride the helicopter upside down, hanging from the tail, all the way to the school. Well, no, if you turn the page, he is riding on the tail on the right side up. Oh. I don't know. I think I would like that less than riding it upside (laughs) down, because it looks like he's right below the uh, blades of the helicopter. Yes, and right in front of the tail rotor there. That's just got to be, like, terrifying. He gets off on the rush. Probably. So they get in, and they do a cursory check of the mansion, which we've never really seen before. I feel like they had a panel to fill, and they're like, well, let's do a security check. I guess maybe they think maybe the stranger's still around, because they didn't hear him say that he'd never return. Uh, That could be. Cyclops goes to the professor's office, and uh, I don't know. The professor makes a bold move here. He starts pulling out name tags of Cyberno. 
Now, my question here is, do they only ever expect to have seven mutants? Yeah, that's what it looks like. They've got their Cerebro machine. Mm -hmm. Seven, as you said, nameplates. It's very specific to these seven mutants, maybe? I don't know. Uh, And it's tuned to their metaphysical makeups or some other genome. But that's aside from the point. I can buy the fact that we're going to assign little nameplates to different mutant emanations, but... There's not even room to expand this list. So, like, once they got to an eighth mutant, it's like, you know what? We're just not going to track this one. <laughs> Do you remember old issues of, or old um, issues, old episodes of the Family Feud, where that thing yeah. would like flip over and go, "Bing"? You'd think that they'd have that because then you could fit like you could probably make like a not just a triangle, but you could probably make like a pentagram of names that would like flip around. So you could have like thirty-five names on there. So I see that. Two possible names from back issues are missing from these seven names. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. yeah. Oh, what? It's a fact. Okay. Who? Well, Lucifer. Oh. Which we don't know if he's a mutant or not. Right. I suspect he is, though. And as we saw at the end of that issue, they really don't care what he does or where he ends up because they just let him go without any sort of, you know. Right. I guess... The professor is really confident when it comes to Lucifer. <laughs> he wants that one to be a mystery. He's coming back, guys, but I just don't want you to know when or how. And the second one is the Vanisher. Oh, the Vanisher's not on Well, what happened to the Vanisher? They, they mind-wiped him. They don't have to worry about him anymore. But as we saw with the blob, the mind-wiping wears off. Ooh. So by now, the Vanisher knows who he is. That is bad planning. Oh, what about the Submariner? Yeah, yeah, well, he is a mutant as we know now, but I suppose we don't really know. You know what would have been smart is if the professor had come up with a tag that said the Brotherhood. Mm. Then he'd have much more space. Or even, I understand that it's the, the 60s, so they kind of limited with their technology. So they could have had one of these nameplates say the Brotherhood, but then have six different colored lights underneath it. So like if the green one popped up, it would be like, oh my gosh, Toad's on the move. Yeah. But no. They should have consulted us. So the professor pulls out Magneto, Mastermind, and Toad. Then the thing just goes nuts and starts beeping like crazy. Because Cerebro has detected a new menace. Why does the professor think that it is a menace? Because Cerebro's angrily beeping rather than happily beeping. (laughs) (laughs) Beep. Beep. (laughs) Oh my god, Cyclops! Go hide in your corner. And why does Cyclops not know what's happening? He's only the team leader. and Yeah, he's used Cerebro when the professor was out of town. He's been forced to sit at that desk doing nothing but waiting for the thing to beep for hours on end. You'd think he would have read the manual or something. <laughs> I guess he's never heard the menacing beep. Yeah. I guess when the blob was beeping when he was there by himself, it was not so menacing. It was. I've never seen a mere electronic device register such an extreme condition of panic. Every circuit is strained to the breaking point. You would think that he would know this because I'm assuming he built it. I mean, it's not like it's, ah, Shi'ar technology. Right, exactly. (laughs) And so whatever it is out there threatening us, it's the most powerful, most deadly danger we've ever faced, and it's almost upon us. The end. Dun-dun-dun! There's a little blurb for how action-packed the next issue will be. I can't wait. I'm on the edge of my seat. I literally almost fell off my chair twice. I was so far (laughs) on the edge of my seat. 
The other note here at the very end of the issue is that next issue will get a new artist. Uh-oh. Yeah. What's going to happen to Jack Kirby? I think they're going to kill him. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> it's it's very savage there at Marvel. Next issue, the death of Jack Kirby. He asked for dental insurance. They're like, that's it, Jack. <laughs> You're out of here. <laughs> You're out of here. Uh, so there you go. The Stranger. Was it worth it? It was kind of fun to talk about. Yeah, yeah, I, I I enjoyed this issue. It was a it was a good one off. Interesting way they got rid of Magneto. Well, I mean, it's comic books, so nothing's ever forever, and, and most of us probably know what happens. And are, I mean, I'm sure we've seen previews for the movie or whatever. I'm wondering if at that point they, if this was it, like, all right, well, we're done with Magneto. We overused him. People hate him. Let's kill him. Maybe it's definitely possible. The letter, the letters pages seem to hint towards that. It just seemed very sudden and very abrupt. This seems like it would have made a really good two-part issue. I don't know how because it was very dry. But I mean, it's the death of Magneto, the kidnapping of Magneto, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, it, it all happened on like three panels. <laughs> yep. <laughs> So what do we know about the stranger? Does he ever show up again? Is he really the Beyonder in disguise? Yes and no. <laughs> okay. I have done some research. Because actually when I read this way back when, I he says, we shall never return. Obviously we know Magneto returns, so there's got to be some story about that. But I literally assume that the stranger never made an appearance back in the Marvel Universe. And apparently... He does enter the pages of other teams' comic books. Oh, okay. But I, I honestly don't know how Magneto comes back, so I will be looking forward to that. Well, that's cool. I hope it doesn't happen in another comic book. <laughs> <laughs> that would suck. Spider-Man number 87, Return of Magneto. What the hell? Uh, it's just like one offshoot page. doesn't even have yeah. anything to do with Spider-Man. And then the other thing to note is that we haven't seen Magneto's face ever. That's true. Very interesting. So I wonder if that was a conscious decision or if they just really didn't know how they wanted him to look. Yeah, maybe when Magneto comes back, it'll be a different Magneto. See, maybe one without mental powers. Maybe it'll be the Magneto clone. It was the first clone saga. Oh, it could be. It's exciting. All right, well then, anything else? No, wrap it up. I guess if that's the case, the danger room is closed. Mm-hmm.